today's reading is actually going to be Hebrews 11, 1 through 7. Now, faith, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that, his rewards, that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God in concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. need this in a minute. So little Rita, little Rita had some some questions for her mama. And so she went to her mama and she said, mama, where did I come from? Well, her mother thought for a little bit and then she finally decided that she would answer. And so she began to talk to her about how life begins and how it develops and and how she was born and, and went into all the detail and Rita's eyes just kept getting wider and wider the whole time. And uh, <clears throat> finally, when her mom was, was finished, um, she looked, uh, little Rita looked at her mom and she said, wow, well, that beats what Aunt May told me. She said, well, I was from Pennsylvania. <laughs> As we are starting this new series on Genesis, there are going to be questions like that. Where... Where do I come from? Where does all of this come from? What, what is the point of life? Um, what went wrong? Did anything go wrong? And we're going to be uh, looking at a lot of those different questions. And so we're going to be uh, going through at least the first part of Genesis. This was a book for the Exodus people of God because God wanted Israel to know the answers to these questions. He wanted them to know where, where was the world and the universe from? Where did people come from? Who is God? All of these kinds of things. And so today, we're going to start at the beginning. And, uh, and, and we're going to ask that question, um, where did the world come from? To do that, though, we are going to need your Bible, and we're going to need Legos. So, uh, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, but before we read that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your word and the truth contained in these pages. Lord, we thank you for who you are and what you have done, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be at work in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Genesis 1 Verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's far enough. 
That's as far as we need to go today, even a little bit farther than we need to go today, because really we just want to look at this phrase, in the beginning. Now, as we come to this book, uh, we want to recognize what what we just heard from Hebrews. We want to recognize that that we approach this with faith. We, We approach this book with faith. God's word comes first. We believe by faith that God created the world. We believe by faith what God has said in this book. This word is prime in our belief. And if we're going to read Scripture, though, we need to be good readers of the text. And so you may remember a while back when we uh, talked a little bit about Genesis, we said that Genesis, this first part of Genesis, is exalted narrative prose. Exalted narrative prose. That's basically just a fancy way of saying that what is described in here in these first few chapters, these are true events, but this is not a textbook, okay? These are true events, but this is not a textbook. The language is heightened. It is exalted, but it is narrative prose. It is describing things that really happened. Now, there's no timeline given in these first few verses. There's no date that we're given to start with, um, but we are given sufficient data, not exhaustive data. Sufficient data is, you know, how was your day today? Oh, my day was fine, right? Um, okay, your day was, your day was good. If, if what you're saying is describing true events, it's good. Your day was fine, right? Exhaustive data is, well, at 6.45, I woke up, and I was a little tired, and I started to crawl out of bed. And it's like when your kids are telling you a story that has every single step in it, right? That's exhaustive data. What we have here is sufficient data. So, we have this, in the beginning, in the beginning. Now, you're familiar somewhat with, with uh, what we uh, believe, but what did other people believe at that time? What did other people that that ancient Israel knew, what did people uh, in those cultures before, what did they believe? Well, most people, in fact, almost every culture, almost every culture had a view of time that was cyclical. They believed in cyclical time, time as a cycle. R.C. Sproul, who's probably one of the theologians that uh, has done the most work on this recently, Uh, He said, a cyclical view indicates that there was no beginning to the universe and no goal for it. Rather, history creates itself and eventually repeats itself forever. Now, here's where the Legos come in. Um, Ender, if I break something in here, I'm sorry. I'll fix it. So, cyclical time. The Legos exist the Legos have always existed. There was never a time when the Legos did not exist. But if you take the Legos and you mix them up and you jumble them up long enough, you might get something. Uh, A dinosaur, a little skeleton, there's a door in there somewhere. And then after enough time goes, that gets recreated, destroyed, recreated, destroyed. And so you mix the Legos up again, and then now we get something else. There's a a jet, um, treasure, some other things like that, right? And that cyclical view of time is saying, this is happening 
over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and you get the point. And this is happening again and again. The Legos are, they're there, they exist, but you give it enough time and you give it enough chaos, and what happens is you end up with something. Maybe you end up with people sometimes. Maybe you end up with animals. Maybe you end up with, with worlds. But, but the idea is that the Legos existed and they have always existed. They are eternal. And what happens is you get various permutations of what jumbles out from these things. It is cyclical time. The main point I want to make about that is with cyclical time, history has no beginning and history has no end. It just goes on. And it has always gone on. So I did mention to you that back when in Israel was receiving these words, and even before that, almost every religion believed in this in some form or fashion. The Greeks, the Hindus, a lot of the Eastern religions, now they believed though that the universe always was, but their gods were somehow involved in that process. Um, but we even see some of this in recent history. This was the primary idea about the universe up until about the 19th century. And we even see some people now. So Albert Einstein, he would have been a proponent of this. The, the universe has always existed. History has no beginning, no end. Um, Carl Sagan, some of you remember him. The cosmos is all that was, or all that is, or all that will ever be. Um, Nietzsche was one of these guys, and, and his philosophy had some uh, very horrible ramifications. And, and even with developments in what we have learned about this world around us, some people that want to hold to this, and they look at the data that comes from scientists, and they look at this idea that the universe is expanding, and they say, yes, the universe is expanding, but eventually it'll come back, and you'll have this cycle over and over and over again. And sometimes we'll be here, uh, sometimes we won't, who knows, but history has no beginning, history has no end, the universe is, is all that there is and it's all that's going to be. Now, with everything that we know about the universe, it's hard to hold on to this view and claim that it's a logical Position. And I, I'm using that word because of what C.S. Lewis said. He said, the distinction thus made between scientific and non-scientific thoughts will not easily bear the weight we are attempting to put on it, right? Just, just think about that. Think about scientific, non-scientific thoughts. That distinction can't bear that weight. We should abandon the distinction between scientific and non-scientific thought. The proper distinction is between logical and non-logical thought logical and non-logical thought. We could talk about a lot of scientific theories that at one point were very scientific until we found out that they were wrong, right? So, so the question is, all of these things we're talking about, are we talking about logical or non-logical thought? When we look at what is going on in, in the world of science, when we look at the way the universe is expanding, when we look at all kinds of things, we see that it tends to line up better with a different idea of history. It tends to line up with an idea that was unique to the people of God and was a shock to all of the cultures that came in contact with them. 
but this is the idea that seems to, that, that best lines up with the Bible, and it seems to line up with a lot of other fields of study as well. And what is this idea? This idea is what we would call linear progressive history. Linear progressive history. Linear, it goes in a line, it's going one way. Progressive, it's moving forward. So, coming back to our Legos, a linear progressive thing would say that the Legos were not, right? The Legos were not, they did not exist, and then all of a sudden, now the Legos exist, and they're expanding, and things are happening, and there's stuff going on, and and they're here, and they're moving, and what's here, some of it's going to die off and some of it's going to change, but it's not eternal. And it's not going to go through this endless cycle of recreation. History has a beginning. The Legos have a beginning. History has a beginning. In fact, what we read in Scripture would say that history has the beginning. That this only happened one time. Only one time was there the beginning. What does it say? In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. Now, there is some discussion. If you want to get like really nerdy and you want to get into it, there's some discussion about, wait, but when you look at the Hebrew, does that really say in the beginning or does it say in a beginning? What's going on there? And I just, if you want to talk about that later, we can, but you can trust me, the vocabulary, the linguistics, the style, all of the early translations, the theology for thousands of years, all of it supports what this is saying. In the beginning, there was a time when, when this stuff did not exist, and then something happened, something happened, and the beginning started, and it is moving, and history has a beginning, and history has an end. The, the universe is expanding, the earth is aging, stuff won't last forever. There is a beginning, there is the beginning, and there will be the end. Now. If this is where you land, if you see these two views, if you see this cyclical view that there's no beginning, there's no end, right? And then you see this view that there is the beginning and that it's moving somewhere and that there is the end. If you land there, now you have a choice. Now you have a choice. We're we're only in the first part of that sentence. We're not in the next part. But now you have a choice. You can take a theistic worldview and you can say this stuff that happened was created. Something caused this. And we're going to talk about that a little more next week. But you can take a theistic worldview to say, this stuff that, never, that didn't exist, now it does. This stuff was created. You can take a theistic worldview, or you can take an atheistic worldview, and you can say, you know what? Chance did this. Given enough time, given enough time, this is what could happen. It just happened by chance. Now, if you were to ask Lewis about that, he would say that that is a non-logical thought. That is an irrational belief. And Sproul gives us a clue as to why. He says chance is a perfectly good word to describe mathematic possibilities, but it is only a word, right? Chance can't do anything. It's not an eternity. Chance is nothing. It has no power because it has no being. Therefore, it can exercise no influence over anything. Yet we have sophisticated scientists who make sober statements declaring that the whole universe was created by chance. 
This is to say that nothing caused something, and there is no statement more anti-scientific than that. Everything has a cause, and the ultimate cause, as we have seen, is God. So you, you have this choice. If you are going to say that history, that, that some point in time, things began, you have that choice. You can go towards a theistic worldview, or you can go toward an atheistic worldview that given enough time, that mathematical possibility means that it, it happens. But there is a problem. One, uh, one problem is what I just said, that it is non-logical, it is irrational. The other problem is that without at least theism, without at least saying there is a God, then all you have at best is subjective meaning. Subjective meaning. Everything is an accident. Everything just happened. And so that's why you hear people talking about things like, well, my truth is this. Well, your truth is that. What's right for me? What's right for you? But you, you only have subjective things at best. Maybe I want to save puppies. Maybe I want to kill puppies. I don't want to kill puppies, kids. I would never do that. Don't kill puppies, right? But without at least theism, without at least saying that there is a God, guess what? It's just chance the universe doesn't care. The, the jumble that happened over here, none of it cares, none of it matters. But if there is a God, if there is a God, then what does that look like? We're going to talk more about that next week. The furthest we've gotten, though, is to say, you can either take a, a theistic worldview or an atheistic worldview, and there are other religions that would take a theistic worldview and that would say, there was a God, there was a beginning, and something created. So what makes Christianity special? Why come here? Why sing these songs? Why read this book? What makes Christianity unique? There are lots of things, but in terms of time, I just want to say this. The thing that makes Christianity unique, right? Cyclical time, there's no beginning, there's no end. Linear progressive, there is the beginning, there is an end. Christianity says there is a middle. There is a middle. And no other religion does this. Christianity says there is a middle. In John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace in and truth. Romans 5.6 says this, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 11 through 14. It says, uh, it says this, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. One time. One time. One sacrifice. One event. One incarnation. Only one at the middle at the middle of history, he, he became like us. He became like us so that he could save us at the middle point of history. And, and, and all of history even reflects that in the way we talk about it, right? We talk about B.C. and A.D., before Christ, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. And, and then now people will change that and say uh, before the common era and in the common era. But guess what is still at the middle of that? Jesus, at the middle of history, 
That is the thing that separates Christianity from every other religion, every other thing. In, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The beginning started, and guess what? At the middle, at the right time, Jesus came, and he fixed what was broken so that he could make us whole. In light of that truth, in light of that truth, the only rational thing to do is to look at Jesus even if you don't understand everything about him, even if you don't understand everything about this book, even if you don't understand everything about this world and everything that is going on, neither did someone else who was on a cross next to him who knew enough to make the only rational choice to look at that man and to say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. When we look at Genesis 1 and we start to look at the beginning, remember the middle. Remember Jesus and the thing that sets this apart from everything else that you will ever come across. It's Jesus. Born, lived, died, rose again, and ascended to the right hand of the Father. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that you broke in to history. Lord, we thank you that you didn't leave us. Lord, we thank you that you are the God of creation, a God of power, a God of justice, a God of kindness, love, and mercy. Lord, we thank you and we praise you and ask that you would continue to work in our hearts as we sing together. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand as we continue to worship? Mm-hmm.